Next on BYUSN, life in the Big 12 doesn't get any easier for BYU with Texas in town. We'll discuss what's exactly at stake tomorrow for BYU against the Longhorns. Plus, we preview the matchup with the elite shooter, Jonathan Tabernari, and discuss where BYU needs to improve specifically from distance in order to beat Texas. It's a ball night for men's volleyball against number seven UC Irvine. Luke Benson tells us how the Cougars extend the 18-match home win streak. And the rushing stat for BYU football from this past season that has us asking, huh? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, a loaded Friday edition presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is January 26th. I am Spencer Linton. He has been Andy Reid's biggest fan, I believe, since 1999. He is Jerem Jordan. I don't know. I, I, we all like Andy around here. But, uh, yeah, 25th season coaching in the NFL, which is wild, right? A protege of Lavelle Edwards. At some point, Andy became uh, the NFL Lavelle and more, right? 44% of the time, according to, uh, you know, NFL on Fox on X, says, uh, you know, he's been in a, the championship game. That's NFC wild. With the Eagles, AFC with the Chiefs. That is a 44 wild 44% in six in a row right now with the uh, Chefs. So uh, good luck to the Chiefs against the Ravens. If you're pro Taylor Swift Super Bowl, you want the Chiefs. If you don't want the Taylor Swift Super Bowl, you want the Ravens. I only have one request if Andy Reid wins another Super Bowl, that he shows up in his Tommy Bahama shirt from his vacation home and joins us on the program once again. That was fun. Just like he did last year. That was fun. Andy is the greatest. I had a friend say, hey, will you send me the pictures of Andy Reid when he was 13 years old in the pump pass kick competition? You're like, you have a phone, right? <laughs> I'm like, you can Google. He's you like, I know. He's like, I can't Google it right now. I, I'm, I don't have any service, but I get text messages. Can you just send it to him? I'm trying to show it to someone. And the size differential, it always cracks me up. Wasn't it Andrew Reid and like <laughs> spelled Reed wrong. was misspelled Last name was spelled wrong. Yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a Rams helmet. Can we, can we pull that by the end of the show? And show that? That's, that's really funny. Uh, oh, we, yeah, and the Rams helmet. Yes, we certainly love Andy. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Ball stays high. Jackson deep three, and he ties the game. will drive it. Got it! Texas in town. BYU at 2-4 and four, trying to pick up a third win in Big 12 play and avoid a three-game losing streak heading into a bye week of sorts with a full week then for BYU to prepare for West Virginia. Yeah. The Longhorns are playing some of their best basketball. They just won in Norman by 15, a very impressive road win. For whatever reason, Texas continues to dominate that series, specifically in Norman. They've won five in a row on the road there. So maybe that plays into it. Pro Bowl a little different than Norman. Texas, not an oft visitor, if ever. This is the first more visit on, ever. More than that. Well, they, they've, uh, they've been here twice back in the day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Way back when. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's been a long time. In the modern era. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Texas is in town. They're unranked, but they don't feel unranked, Jerem. And there just feels like there's a ton on the line tomorrow for BYU specifically. So let's examine both sides. What does this game and the result therein mean for the remainder of BYU season? Because it certainly feels like one of those crucial hinge games. Well, um, hey, it's an unranked team, so it's an easier game, right? Uh, BYU just played three ranked teams. No, it's not just that much easier. <laughs> they are good. Um, okay, so what it means is... There's only so many games that you figure are more winnable than others, right? Texas at home is more winnable 
than Houston and at Kansas and, you know, a few of those. But it's still a really hard game. Mm. BYU is lost to, won to, lost to to start league play. Hopefully BYU can get on a two-game win streak again and kind of yo-yo over, uh, you know, two games below and then get to 500 and kind of hang around that spot. Because guess what? The minimum threshold feels like 7 and 11. Robbie McCombs did a nice article where he highlighted that basically half the teams that have done that in the last couple of years have made the NCAA tournament. BYU's non-conference resume is so good and the metrics are so good that 7 and 11 should put you in an NCAA tournament position. So in the pursuit of seven, you need five more. This needs to be one of them, Spence. Mm. If not, you sit on a three-game win streak for a week and you don't play Tuesday, that's your bye. Then you go to West Virginia, and you're playing a West Virginia team that, yes, is 7-5 and five at home, but since they got some of the double transfer guys like Raekwon Battle, they have been much better, notably beating Kansas. So, among others, and Texas. Yeah, uh, I was going to so say, they beat the Longhorns. you got to show up, and you got to play well. Because if you don't, it's going to be a weird Monday. If you do, okay, it's okay. You got, you're got 3-4, and four, you're not in a bad spot. You want to hang around or near 500. But uh, Texas is good. Max A. Smith is one of the best scorers in the country. Number one active D1 player in scoring, 15th all-time. This dude played four years at Oral Roberts, big-time scorer, big-time shooter. Uh, Dylan DeSue plays the five, shoots 57% from three, pick-and-pop guy. Those two concern me. And the fact that uh, after the UCF loss, the horns down thing with Rodney Terry and UCF, uh, UCF in Texas, since then mm. – Two wins. Number 15, Baylor, won that at the buzzer, and then uh, blew out by 15, Oklahoma. So BYU's got to bring it. And, in fact, you guys talked to Sean Farnham yesterday of ESPN about some of the Horns' vulnerabilities. When you look at some of the, the characteristics of Texas and some of the areas they may potentially struggle is they have some turnover issues. They turn the ball over about 15% of their possessions, where if you give – BYU extra possessions and you're turning it over and allowing them to play out in front. And I think this is one of the things I'd like to see BYU do more is I understand the three point shot and how important that is to BYU. And I love it. And it's as fun as any style of play to call in the country. They have to find other ways to score. So how can you score besides the three point shot? And to me, it's being more opportunistic at the defensive end of the floor, maybe risking a little bit, to create turnovers and runouts to get layups where you're out in front of the defense and you're not having to go against the set defense. That's one area that BYU, in particular in this game against Texas, I would be a little bit more aggressive at the defensive end of the floor, try to get into their guards, try to turn them over, get into the gaps a little bit more, make sure the hands are up wide on the defensive end, and then try to get out in front because what that does is now in transition, guys are running back to the paint. Once they start running back to the paint, what does that allow you to do? kick to the corner, wide open, bang three, everybody's going crazy. Sean Farnham's winning formula for BYU against Texas, and it's creating some of those, as our colleague Blaine Fowler calls them, terminal turnovers, those live ball turnovers that immediately can turn into high percentage points, layups at the rim, or free throws, whatever. Open threes, as Sean was just alluding to. I know. It's BYU team against Iowa State did it. Haven't really done it against anybody else in the Big 12. I'll give some crazy numbers in a moment. So that's the winning formula. If BYU is able to piece something like that together, and maybe it's more Fus Traore just to mix things up in the post, like can BYU score in other ways besides just a three-point line? Will he play more? I don't know. That was a great move by Mark Pope late in the game to mix it up. Well, Ali had five turnovers. That's why. 
You, you had to change it. Uh, it was not working. Houston, too long, too athletic, and they just dominated the glass. But that's what they do against everybody. It's not just Houston, right? What adjustments can BYU make to become a little bit more versatile offensively? That's what Sean Farnham is asking and saying, again, this is how BYU beats Texas. Now, if BYU beats Texas, we're talking about how the impact of the season will change. I know it's only one game, but when you consider the mentality and that tricky little figure of doubt that would be in the back of the minds, not just the fans, but I mean, naturally it's going to be in the back of the minds of the players if you've lost three straight and you have to sit on that for an entire week. You blew a 17-point lead against Texas Tech. You couldn't rally against Houston enough. And now you just lost a game to Texas where you're on your home floor and you are a clear favorite. Be, let, me, let me be clear. BYU is a clear favorite according to Vegas, according to Ken Palm, according to the Basketball Power Index. Like, BYU is the favorite on their home floor. John Rothstein told us BYU will be a tournament team if and only if they can play well on their home floor. BYU is in danger of losing, or sorry, if they lose tomorrow, falling to one and three at home in their first four Big 12 games. Not good. And you got to, again, sit on that all week knowing you have to go to West Virginia and then to Oklahoma. I, I don't think a five-game losing streak is going to happen. I believe this BYU team is too good. They have too many weapons. The Marriott Center is special. It's sold out again tomorrow. Yep. I, th I think BYU will, quote-unquote, restore order by beating Texas tomorrow, and then some confidence is back in the fold. And now you're on a win with six days to prepare for what's going to be an absolute gauntlet at West Virginia. Playing in Morgantown is a bear. Ask Texas and ask Kansas. But I also kind of ask uh, Radford that beat him. Uh, you know, I asked Bellerman, who played a four-point game. That was before some of the double transfers came back. Yes. But – West Virginia has shown it's a little weird, right? They're 7-12 and overall, 2-4 and four in league. They're Again, a way they're, better team now. Right, but they've also shown even in league with some of those guys they've, they've, that it's not totally worked. So, okay, there's that. So, can BYU win in different ways? BYU is not the fastest ball-dominant team in the country, but they are one of the best shooting and motion and, uh, you know, effective passing teams in the country. That is the strength. Fouls and free throw disparity are an issue. Let's talk about it. In Big 12 play, minus 5.5 fouls per game, meaning BYU's called for more. You could argue that's a plus, whatever. 8.8 .8 free throws made per game, minus 8.8. .8. The other team is shooting them. More free throw attempts for the opponent. These are not sustainable numbers. BYU has made more free throws than its opponent in Big 12 play once, plus four in a 15-point win against Iowa State. I don't think BYU needs to have more free throws um, per game and, uh, made and taken or even fouls. It just can't be that. It can't be that. For Something BYU has to, to compensate for sustainable. Something has to compensate for the lack of free throws, and it, to this point has been the three-point shooting. Uh, I'm not arguing for that. I'm arguing for lessening those numbers. Like, BYU's got to do what they did against Iowa State, which is be more aggressive to the rim to get to the line. BYU went 20 of 24. I'm not saying you got to do that. You just, can't, you just can't go, like, single-digit free throws. or, or be, You can't be outscored from the free throw line by almost nine points in a game because that means then you have to make three more threes. And then how many twos are you taking? Like, so that, that is a concern. BYU's got to be better in that space. I'm not saying they need to change who they are. I would just like 15% uh, like more, more of what you did against Iowa State. Yeah, no, I'm not arguing, with your, I'm I'm not arguing yeah. with your logic at all. I'm just saying if those numbers maintain – 
and you say it's not sustainable, then BYU is forced to compensate for it from the three-point line. But and if it's I not, just if don't it's think not, it's going to work. If it's not there, then they're in trouble. I just don't think it's going to work, Spence, because th there are certain threes that BYU takes that are really good. There are some that are tougher that are still made. Like Jackson Robinson's game is taking deep threes. That's not going to just go away. Can he take uh, less contested threes at times? Sure. But BYU needs to be careful not to just shoot threes to shoot threes. They're, I know they've talked about it, and they are talking about the types of threes they take. I'm not opposed to watching BYU take a lot of threes. That's fun. But they need to take good threes, right? So let's, let's, uh, let's figure that out. Again, it's just one game. But two weeks ago, I think it was Jason Shepard with me on the show, and we were discussing, okay, what's a good record at the end of January for BYU? And I said three and four. Like, would right right four, on track. Yeah. Like, if BYU is three and four at the end of January, I believe they are fully capable of winning nine games in the Big 12. Because the schedule lightens up. If you missed the stat yesterday, of the remaining schedules of all of the Big 12 teams, BYU has the easiest. It's ranked 32nd in the country, which is still very tough when you right. weigh that against sure. 362 Division I But teams. you're not playing Kansas twice. You're not playing Houston twice. You're playing West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Yes. Um, and you, you have an opportunity here. Let's the, go. The other 13 Big 12 teams are one through are somewhere between 1 and 14. So there is an 18-spot difference between the quote-unquote second week of schedule in the Big 12, and where BYU is at number 32. Yeah. Opportunities will be there. It's been that tough for the Cougars in the first six. If you get to three and four, then, then it becomes another conversation of just split every week. Split every week. Yeah, if And you're you hoping for a split at West Virginia and at Oklahoma. Just win one of those. Sunflower week is going to be hard, right? At Kansas State, at Kansas, the Saturday, Tuesday. Okay, one final note about this BYU-Texas game. BYU this season, the one season, in the Big 12 with Texas, is playing Texas 14 times in the different head-to-head -head sports. Only two of these games are in Provo, Spence. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's tomorrow in men's hoops and March 28th in men's tennis. Yes. Okay? Every single other matchup. Women's hoops. Hi, Shaley. And women's volleyball. Well, there's two. And baseball and softball and women's basketball and soccer. All in Austin. So enjoy Texas in yes. Provo tomorrow. Because it doesn't really happen. I am weirded out by it, but I'm not overly concerned or complaining because we must thank Texas and Oklahoma for leaving the Big 12 so the BYU could be in it. I, if, this, if this is part of the cost, Spence, it's all right. Fine, fine. It, but it's a little weird. And, and let me clarify something. Again, I said Texas doesn't visit Provo and basketball very often. The exact stat is this is the first visit by Texas to Provo in 50 years. Yeah. In 50 years. Yeah, hey, BYU's 2-0 in Provo against Texas men's hoops. Let's go. <laughs> 67 and 74. And 74. Yeah. Real it's memorable been 50 ones years since Texas has been in Provo. Only their second ever trip to the Marriott Center. Welcome back. And then once you lose, get out of here. Opportunity knocks for BYU. Can the Cougars figure it out and restore order? Our question of the day. What's at stake tomorrow for BYU men's basketball against Texas? We just told you both sides. If BYU loses, now you're staring at a potential of maybe a five-game losing streak. They win, and we think that it's probably on par to win eight or nine games in the Big 12. What a five-game win streak. Absolutely. Michael Heath on X says legitimacy is on the line. Our metrics will continue to look great no matter what, but eventually BYU has to start winning more of the actual games, especially at home. That's what's wild. You know what else is at stake? BYU's national ranking 
Yep. As far as human it, voters it go. It goes away if you lose. The AP poll and the coaches poll, good night. See you later. If BYU that. loses to Texas, you're done. But the yeah. metrics will remain high because Texas's numbers are much better after they've won some big games. Right, but they won't be like five net, ten Ken Palm high. No, like it if, might be like, like ten like if net. You, if you continue to lose, you will go down in that. But so you, you still got to win top games. top 25 and the, sure. whatever. Sure. Hashtag. Five net's been fun, though. We haven't, we, Brigham, haven't dropped out of the top five the whole net time this year. Time for the Big 12 roundup. Yes. Yeehaw. Number seven, Kansas at number 23, Iowa State. By the way, only two games featuring ranked teams tomorrow, both in the Big 12. I'm taking Iowa State. They don't lose at home, Jerem. 12 and 0. Uh, Their fans are fun. Kansas has <laughs> won eight of the last nine. Both teams four and two in Big 12 play. Cyclone Larry, this one's for you, buddy. Iowa State, four point fave. Taking Iowa State. How about that? Kansas State at number four, Houston. First meeting in basketball between these schools in 50 years. 1974, what was up with that? Wow. Yeah. Houston's 11-0 at home and have beaten opponents by an average of 22 points a game on their home Good floor. thing Brigham doesn't go there, Spence. Both teams 4-2 and two in Big 12 competition. Yeah, I'm taking Houston in this one. Kempom has the Cougars as a 17-point favorite. TCU at number 15, Baylor. Baylor had a bye uh, earlier in the week. First game since losing to Texas last Saturday. The buzzer, TCU coming off a close win over Oklahoma State, who's clearly the worst team in the league, but not a bad team. Baylor, six-point favorite. Number 20, Texas Tech at 11th-ranked Oklahoma. The Sooners trying to bounce back after that big 15-point loss to Texas on their home floor. It's Texas Tech's first game since rallying to beat BYU last Saturday. They've had, yeah, they've yeah, had a full yeah, week. Heard of it, heard of it. So the Red Raiders alone atop the standings right now. How about that? If they win at Oklahoma, they will remain there and be 5-1. Oklahoma currently 3-3. Three three. This is starting to feel like a little bit of a desperation game for the Sooners, too. Oklahoma, by the way, three-point favorite, <laughs> according to Ken Palm. They're number 11. Desperation, but I get what you're saying. Yes. UCF at Cincy. First Big 12 game for Cincinnati against a team not ranked in the AP poll. They've played six straight ranked teams. Cincinnati has had the hardest schedule Jeez. of the first six games, and then it's BYU. Put that in your skyline, Chile. Uh, Cincinnati is seven-point fifth. West Virginia at Oklahoma State. This is a battle this, of the bottom This is like going to be the day. Two, but they're good. The Cowboys are finally going to figure it out on their home floor. They're West Virginia is not six. a great team on the road. West Virginia is really good at home, not great on the road. I think Oklahoma State's going to figure it out. 7-5, though, look good. But again, different team. <laughs> hey, number 21 men's basketball. Don't know if you heard this. Uh, they're going to play Texas tomorrow. Again, rare to have Texas here, like we talked about. Pre-game coverage. It's an early one, people. 1 Eastern, 11 Mountain. BYU Radio, BYU TV. Let's go. A little, little matinee, a little lunch edition. Does the daytime-nighttime thing apply to basketball? <laughs> Nope. Like it did with football? Nope. I don't think so either. I, no. In fact, that's an advantage BYU, Earliest frankly. tip times until 5. It's Air Force, time. right? Air Force. Yes. The Air Force. That was a win for BYU for what it's worth. After the break, preview tomorrow's showdown against the Longhorns with the sharpshooter Jonathan Tavernari. What does he feel is on the line for BYU in this hinge game? And how would he adjust the three-point shooting mentality? This is BYU Sports Nation. Loto Atiki, another hammer. Atiki Ali Atiki. Jackson Robinson shows it and scores it. Noah Waterman for three. To Dallin Hall for three and yes! We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. This is how we do it. And right now, how we do it is by bringing in Jonathan Tavernari, former BYU basketball standout 
longtime pro of the game and an elite shooter. JT, welcome back to BYUSN. Happy Friday, man. Hey, happy Friday to you guys as well. Great show so far. Hey, we appreciate that. Hey, and let's keep it going. Yeah, we, let's we, keep it going. We have you on I mean, to... it can only get better now, right? <laughs> exactly. So, I got here, so it automatically, it's it's going to go through the roof. Yes, so. energy here, it's about to go to another level for sure. Uh, we've been discussing this hinge game for BYU against Texas and what a win would really mean for the course of the season and, and what a loss would do for this BYU team and how it would impact them in that way. So, I mean, JT, you've heard what Jerem and I said to a degree. What do you think this game means in terms of what it will mean for the course of BYU's season? It, 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 and I said this after we lost um, on on Tuesday. Um, and again, gray Houston team, right? But it it it's we're so close to getting to finishing up these games, regardless of how you play in the first or the second half. Um, but to me, it's monumental. It is, you know, it is a, a must-win game. And I say that because you have, uh, you know, I think I was counting five home games, and this is one of them. Um, you are, you know, two and four in conference right now, and you need to get to, you know, 19, 20 wins. I think if you get to, to 19 wins, 20 wins, you're borderline guaranteed to be in the NCAA tournament. But how are you going to get, you know, these next, uh, you know, five, six wins. And it has to, you're going to have to go on the road and steal one, maybe two, but the game on Saturday, tomorrow, it's such a monumental game for BYU season because you have to make up from, from the loss that you had against Cincinnati, you know, that the way that you drop that game. And I know, Hey, first game conference game, anything can happen, but BYU is going to have to make up that game. And is it going to be, you know, beating taxes at home is it going to be, you know, we're know it's not going to be at Kansas State or or, or at Kansas, right? Um, and as you look at what they have on the schedule, they have, you know, at West Virginia, at Oklahoma. Um, it, it, when are you going to make up that win? And and there may be a Baylor at home. And and so it's, they're going to have to make up a game. And it, it now it's becoming a little bit more, like you said, you know, um, Spencer, BYU is going to be three and four. But where is that win is going to come from? And and Jerem's point that, you know, I think we've all kind of been built in on who is going to get to that 19-20 win to be able to, by the end of the regular season. And so we're kind of running out of time. So I think tomorrow's game is absolutely monumental. We've been saying like 7-11 is probably the minimum threshold, right? If we're just talking like what's the minimum. So, you know, five more wins. Oklahoma State, you hope you can get them twice. Uh, you know, right now, worst team in the league. But still, to me, they're not a bad team. Like in the WCC, they'd be the third or fourth best team. Are there any bad teams? <laughs> no bad teams. Right. No bad teams. UCF at home, you need, you need to win that game. And then two more. Uh, Texas at home, is it one on the road, like at West Virginia? Like, what's the other game? You got to win some games that maybe you go in and think, oh, we got lucky. Um, or, we, yes, we made a play down the stretch. And BYU can do it. BYU's not been blown out in any of these games. Like you said, they haven't finished well in a couple of them. You have 17 at Texas Tech, who right now in the conference standings is number one. So you, you got you to gotta finish it. Some of that is fouls and free throws, like I talked about. I don't need BYU to uh, change these numbers drastically, but they do need to be improved. BYU's a three-point shooting team. They're not going to get to the line as much as a lot of other teams. So what, what would you recommend in terms of what BYU needs to do to – they don't need to change holistically who they are, and it won't happen, but to be just a little better in the fouls and free throw department. 
You know, um, I'm going to tell you on my boss, by the way, huge Sports Nation fan. Shout out to my, my boss. Bro. <laughs> um, uh, it, you don't need to change drastically things. We just need to tweak a little bit here and there. And, and to me, watching these games, it, it BYU is so close. Um, the one thing that I would probably say, you know, you guys were mentioning before, some of the tough shots that, that they're taking from three, you got to take the good with the bad. But if I were to, to try to tweak a few things, I would focus on maybe at certain times of the game, let's play inside out a little bit more. And there are times that you do the that they run the weave, right? And that's all they do. They don't look to go inside. Now, listen, I know that it's hard to play a tiki and um Ali Khalifa and Foos and just play through them 40 minutes. I get it. But at a point in time, even if it's just for a dribble handoff or it's just to create something on the weak side or to generate something. We have to get the ball in a post more. Again, I'm not saying to get the ball in a post more to actually, hey, go make a move, go get a bucket. I'm not saying that, right? Ali can do it. The best one there is is Foose, but we all know he's not 100%. You can see it, right? Stevie Wonder can see that Foose is not 100%. <laughs> and so I, I, think, I, think, I think the focus is play in and out so you can create things and make your life easier on the weak side. And so even if you just have to put the ball to 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 a tiki and we're not going to want a tiki to go in 15 times a game and go get a bucket, but get the ball to him, maybe have him take a dribble, do a handoff with Dallin on a movement. Maybe he can skip to the other side. He can play with Jackson. That was probably going to be the one thing that I would personally focus on to create more space. Again, you can't change who you are, right? Um, can, you change, can you shoot less threes where when you have – Trevin now, one of the best shooters in the country. You have Jackson Robinson coming off the bench, knocking down threes left and right. When you have um, Spencer Johnson, you know, just an incredible sharp shooter. When you have Richie Saunders, when you have um, Ali Khalifa that can knock down threes. Dallin is also a solid shooter. You don't change your identity, but you figure out ways where you can make the entire game, you know, easier um, to just be able to get to your sweet spots. I think that's what's missing a little bit, especially down the stretch. It's ball to Dallin, just have him penetrate and attack. Well, try to create a little bit more movement, you know, so you can get the defense maybe falling asleep on the weak side, on a reverse, on a swing. JT, you're a man who can appreciate an aggressive mindset shooting the three because you lived and died by that. You, you thrived at it several times. Mark do it, by the way. Hey. Just make sure that we know that. So, <laughs> Mark Pope said specifically he doesn't want to harp as much on his guys about, you know, taking bad threes because he says it's so nuanced. He wants them to remain confident and aggressive. So how would you approach that conversation? Because he, he did admit there were probably seven or eight possessions where we didn't make the defense work hard enough, essentially saying we can find a better three-point shot than we ended up taking. So how would you approach that conversation with this BYU basketball team to try and rein it in a little bit, but not affect their aggression and their confidence? I, I would think, you know, um, I would try to expand the way that they are playing and how they're getting those three-pointers to how I said, you know, get a little bit of a touch post or maybe do something where the ball can go inside and move out. Right now, there's not a ton of movement or better yet. 
I don't want to generalize. The times that BYU is dangerous, the times that BYU go on a run is because they get easy stops and they get buckets, right? But the times that they are successful, what is one of the main things that they do? The ball goes inside the paint, it goes close to the basket, and then it moves out. And you can do that in multiple ways. You can do that by penetration. You can do that by, you know, post touches. So what I would focus on is say, look, we don't want to take away, you know, a lot of people call it irrational confidence, right? We don't want to take away that from you. And I get it. They don't want to take it away. But let's then not force a three-pointer. Let's maybe possessions try to penetrate, try, try to play through the post. Um, Spencer Johnson is a solid post-up player. Now, I'm not going to compare Spencer to Lee Kamard. I'm not going to compare Spencer to maybe Tyler Hawes. I think that would be unfair, right? But it, Spencer can do that, and we've seen him do it. So a few times, I'll, instead of Jackson shooting a three-pointer, right, from between the three-point line and the logo, um, maybe let's get him a back to the basket where he can do a little fadeaway, you know, a, a little fadeaway jumper. Um, let's get the ball to Richie on the post. Let's do different things so that instead of forcing a tough three-pointer, we're maybe looking at another possession first. Like I said, a lot of times it feels like they're doing the weave on top of the three-point line, um, just a ton, and they're not really getting anywhere. It looks like they're just swinging the ball from side to side without a purpose to attack, to be able to, <clears throat> excuse me, to be able to engage, um, you know, and, and really get on the on the pick and roll. Dallin does amazingly where he gets the pick and roll, he puts the defender on his back, and then he just waits so he can dish it out. But a lot of times, you know, the defenses are very good and they're prepared. So maybe not necessarily playing the pick and roll, but other ways of let's put somebody back to the basket. You don't have to go and just, you know, get a shot off on that possession, but let's swing it through. You know, I think about the different possessions where Dallin can get to the lane and they make two or three quick passes. They get an open shot. I look back and I don't remember against who it was, but um, Ali, I think it was against um, UCF on the road um, right after the second half started. The ball went to the post. Ali took a couple of dribbles. People actually came um, and double and maybe help out a little bit. He made an extra pass. That passer gave him a hockey assist. Somebody had a wide open three point shot. I don't know if it was Travis, it was Spence, but but that's to me what's missing from BYU that it would be so much easier to have naturally if Foose was back 100% of the time playing 20, 30 minutes a game. He is not. So then how can the coaching staff get a little bit more creative to generate these, these post touches? to get the defense off balance. Jonathan Tavernari is on BYU Sports Nation. We'll finish with this, JT. I believe that if BYU beats Texas tomorrow on their 3-4 and four in conference at the end of January, they're right on track. That's what I had projected them as from the get-go when Big 12 play began. Like, ah, probably 3-4. and four. Are, are you in agreement that if they are 3-4, and four, they're on track? Or are they behind or maybe ahead of schedule of where you expected BYU to be? Uh, definitely not ahead. Um, I will say this. I think the loss to, to Cincinnati, and it's something that both of you engage with me on Twitter, um, the loss to Cincinnati, to me, I hope it doesn't come back to haunt them because that's, again, that's one of the teams that, yeah, much like Oklahoma State, you expect to win at home. Um, I will say that they're kind of right on track. Um, they might, you know, need to steal a game or so. Uh, but there's a lot of basketball to be played, right? There is, you know, like I said, after Texas, we are at West Virginia, at Oklahoma. Um, can you maybe steal one of West Virginia? I mean, that would be huge. But Kansas and UCF at home 
you're probably going to go 1-1. And then at Oklahoma State, you know, to Jerem's point, you're going to have to win that. At Baylor at home, if they don't win against Texas, the Baylor win becomes a, a, a becomes a absolutely must-win game. And you don't want to have that pressure, especially against that Baylor team. And then at Kansas, at Kansas State, at Kansas, uh, I don't see that being a productive trip, but that's just me. Hopefully they have good barbecue in Kansas or something <laughs> else because I don't think there's going to be much winning done. Um, and then you go and you have TCU at home. You've got to win that one. You go to Iowa State. Uh, we're going to call that the Richie Saunders game. And so, um, <laughs> but then at Oklahoma State at home, you're going to absolutely have that um, to win that. And so to your point, um, Spence, I think that they're going to be on track but they can't really afford another another miss, let alone two. JT, great to talk with you. For the record, and we mentioned this on the show, BYU, 79% chance to win according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index. Be very interested to see what the Vegas insiders have to say when that line comes out. But BYU is, for now, a favorite at home. And to your point, got to take care of business. Great to talk to you, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Hey, I feel like I'm the winner today. Got to hang out with both of you for a little bit. So, hey. I, you know... I hope you guys have a great weekend and uh, always and forever go Cougs. You got it. Follow amigo. <laughs> Jonathan, Tav yes. Jonathan Tavernari on BYU Sports Station. He had to get sneaky little Portuguese in there, yeah? Wasn't that sneaky. It was pretty obvious. <laughs> Women's basketball. Oh, I was saying, like, at the very end. Yeah, you yeah, waited yeah, until you the very end. I went to the end of the shot clock, Spence. Yes. Then get my shot up. At number four, Kansas State and women's hoops. Oh, number four, Kansas State. A little upset watch. Let's go, Brigham. Tomorrow at 5 Eastern on BYU Radio. Wildcats, pretty good. This they, just in. They could win the national championship. No, no kidding. Good for them. Hopefully they uh, beat Utah in the Sweet Moral victories are in play. Uh, we'll discuss that as well as BYU football ranks 13th in the country. In which stat from last season? And do we think BYU men's volleyball and their 18-match win streak will continue through the weekend? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B on a Friday. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's get to our Friday headlines, shall we? We shall. Number 21 men's basketball hosts Texas tomorrow pregame early, 1 Eastern on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Cougars are 2 and 4 in league play, have back to back losses, need a win. Texas 3 and 3, they've beaten two straight ranked teams. Game sold out, should be another great environment. BYU men's basketball still a five seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology update this morning. And with that in mind, let's take a quick look at where BYU falls in bracket matrix right now. Uh, the Cougars are in all 81 brackets within the matrix with an average seed of 5.16, the best seed, a three, and the lowest seed, a seven. Give me all of that right now. That's, Holy I, cow. Just hold on like that Spider-Man meme, just grabbing both ends. Beat Texas, and all of that is maintained. Yes, it is. Maintained. Women's basketball plays at number four, Kansas State, tomorrow, 5 Eastern on BYU Radio and Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. Cougars 2-5 and five in league. Wildcats are a sparkling 8-0. And the nation's leading rebounder, Lauren Gustin, named a top 10 candidate for the Katrina Don't Call Me Lauren McLean Award, which is given to the top power forward in women's college. On to Cougars in the NFL playoffs. Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers will host the Detroit Lions on Sunday in the NFC Championship Showdown. Go Fred, but go Lions. 
Kyle Van Noy and the Baltimore Ravens host Andy Reid and Matt Bushman's Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Guaranteed a Coug in the Super Bowl, it's baby. It's awesome. It's just a matter of are we going to have Cougs on both sides are, of the Super Bowl have, again? Yes, multiple. And congratulations to Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua, who has, not surprisingly, but officially been named an Offensive Rookie of the Year finalist after breaking the NFL rookie records for receptions and receiving yards. Number eight men's volleyball continues its 10-match homestand by hosting number seven UC Irvine tonight and tomorrow, 9 Eastern on Brigham Young University Television. Cougs have an 18-game home match win streak going as well, third longest in program history. 18 straight. Whew. BYU baseball picked to finish tied for 12th with Cincinnati in the Big 12 preseason <laughs> baseball poll. There are 13 teams that play. Iowa State does not have a baseball team. So BYU and Cincy with corn. are picked dead last. It's only up from there. In fact, the Big 12 newcomers make up four of the last five teams in the preseason coaches poll. Men and women's track and field split up to compete today and tomorrow with the distance groups heading to Boston for the John Thomas Terrier Classic while the sprinters, jumpers, and throwers go to Clemson to compete in the Bob Pollock Invitation. BYU men's tennis falls 4-3 in Los Angeles at LMU to fall to 1-2 on their season. The Cougars play again today in their second road match in two days, also against UC Irvine. We're going to take all the wins against UC Irvine this weekend. And Zach Blair is tied for 10th at four under par at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. He birdied 5-7-8 uh, yesterday. Excuse me, the back nine, 5-7-8, to finish with a 68. Let's go, Zach! Second round. Good luck to Zach. Good week for BYU men's golf uh, alumni. Indeed. Daniel Summerhay's doing well on the Corn Ferry Tour. Now Zach Blair doing his thing in San Diego. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. CFB Graphs posted on X that BYU was the 13th, uh, was 13th in most designed runs with a blown blocking assignment last season. That's a good thing. What do you make of this? 13th in most designed in rushes. Fewest. With a blown? Fewest, sorry. Fewest. Fewest. Okay. This Fewest is a good design stat. rushes. <laughs> I thought BYU stunk at running the ball last year. So they didn't have any blown blocks in designed runs. Yes. Well, then how come they didn't run the ball more effectively? It sounds like they blocked the right people, but didn't block well enough uh, the right people. Yeah, not blown that, not blown blocking assignments. Yes, like they didn't block the guy. That was what do I make of this? I'm very confused. What do we make of this? I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> let's show the graphic again. Just, no, just kidding. BYU men's volleyball, as you mentioned, Jeremy's won 18 straight home matches. Yes, they have. Third longest in program history. Will the streak survive the weekend against seventh-ranked UC Irvine playing Friday it's, and Saturday? It's a big challenge. It's the toughest challenge I think BYU's had all year in terms of the team across the net. Going to Lewis and Loyola Chicago were tough, but hey, BYU's looking pretty good. Beating two, uh, winning two at UC Santa Barbara last yeah. weekend looks even better because number two UCLA lost at home to said Gauchos. So why not? Why can't it survive the weekend? If the Cougs sweep UC Irvine, top of the NPSF, I know it's early. Well, well, well. Uh, so I mentioned that just maybe moral victories uh, are in play tomorrow uh, against Kansas State for BYU women's basketball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what would qualify as a suitable outcome for BYU against a team that could win the national championship? I always, I always want BYU to compete. I don't, I don't care who the other team is on the other side. Play a single-digit game there. Be in it. Have a chance. Make some threes. Granted, they're number one three-point defense in the country. So, oh, man. 
Like, BYU's not going to play a tougher game, I think, all year than on the road in Manhattan against that team. Like, this is the toughest game they'll play all season. They're within 15. They should feel very good about the yeah. game. In fact, like, just don't lose by 20. Like, that – Compete. Yeah. Like, not losing – Kansas State is destroying Big 12 teams. Good for them. So, BYU's within 20. Moral victory. Wow. <laughs> this is, these are the conversations I wake up you know, looking forward to. On the latest Big Stories podcast with Cleanwall, University of Texas alum and six-time cancer survivor Bill Potts talks about the time in his life where he didn't want to fight anymore but shares what gave him a renewed fight and purpose. Listen wherever you get your podcast. After the break, men's volleyball standout Luke Benson will join yeah. us in Studio B to preview the huge home matches this weekend against UC Irvine. Eight Looks is good, great. Right? Luke, the Cougs are ranked number eight. Looking good. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a game night Friday. All night. First of two against seventh-ranked UC Irvine. For I've been looking forward to this BYU one for a while. Oh, yeah, let's yeah. go. And to help us preview the matches is star Luke Benson with us in Studio B. Luke. Or Ben Lukeson, as Steve <laughs> was jokingly calling. What's up, Luke? <laughs> how, you doing, how are man? you guys? We're doing well, man. Uh, how would you sum up? Just the last week for you, you and BYU volleyball. Four matches in five days, and now you got UC Irvine on a Friday. It's been crazy. It's been so crazy, but that's exactly what we want. We just want to play as much as we can. We just need to be as good as we can by by April, May, when really matters. And I think that just playing as much as possible really helps us with that. I know we didn't get like we didn't get many preseason matches. So getting all the matches possible during our season really helps us a lot. So. Seven and one so far. Uh, you guys have made a, a setter change and you're four and zero since that, and twelve and one in those sets. Uh, what difference has Tyler Hergett made in in uh, running the show the last four matches? It's been so awesome. He's he's really easy to hit off of. He distributes his offense pretty well. It's it's just it's so awesome to hit off of him, and his serve is just amazing. It's been such like so monumental in our past few games. And, yeah, he's really, really good at just yeah getting the ball where it needs to be, getting us up there and making us kind of able to hit the ball. So. Nine aces in the last five. That'll do. Ooh, yeah. wow, absolutely. Now, this team did some nice things late last season, and Sean Olmstead said, hey, we've got some momentum. We think we're better than where we were picked in the preseason AVCA poll, which is number nine. You're up to number eight. How do you feel like the team is better, not just in the rankings, but just the way you play the game? Yeah, so I, I really feel like something that we talk about a lot is how we have like a really deep roster. Like we can we can throw people in if they need to be thrown in. And I think that's just amazing because not a lot of teams have that. You look at some other teams and they just don't have that depth. Like if someone's playing bad, they're kind of just stuck in the game. You don't really have someone you can throw in in their place. Whereas for us, we, we have a lot of people that can come in and get the job done if they need to. And a guy like Tyler Huggett. Exactly. And John yeah. Stanley yes. started yeah. for the first time Tuesday and did a nice job. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just so cool how we have, like, not just one or two, but we have tons of these guys that can come in, really just get the job done if they need to. In uh, the, two, the two sweeps, you had 21 kills, Monday, Tuesday, were sprinting. Hit 571 three aces. You feeling it right now? You feeling pretty good? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's stuff that I definitely need to improve on. I think my serving could be a little better and passing could definitely be better. But I think that, yeah, starting off in a good spot for sure. Definitely have stuff to work on. But yeah, I think definitely feeling pretty good. I think everyone's feeling pretty good. Definitely, definitely we're kind of starting to feel it after a long week. But I think we're more ready than we've ever been. So. You've had two whole days off, Luke. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> two whole days. Six and nine by the end of the weekend. Have you guys done anything special to sort of maintain, uh, you know, your, your bodies here? This is a pretty tough stretch. Honestly, personally, I have since I've been, I've had, I've had back issues since, since spring of last year. So I've been doing stuff, and then some other guys have been having some issues too, and they're really doing everything they can to just really feel top-notch for this match. And, I think it's awesome to see everyone really putting in their best effort to feel as good as they can, to be as ready as they can. So, yeah, it's awesome to see. Okay, I have a unique question, and this is based off something Coach Olmstead told me. Yeah. And the Air Jordan 13s you wear during matches. Yeah. You told me after uh, the early matches against Ball State, I had to glue the sole back on at one point. But they're like, it's like they're your lucky shoes. And Sean's like, I've been giving him like all these new shoes. And he just shows up in the same shoes. What is it superstition? Like, what do they feel better? What, what's the they, deal? They just feel better. So funny enough, actually, after the first Princeton game, I ordered a new pair. Let's go. So I finally, I finally got Finally a new gave pair. in. They're 13s again, of course. But, <laughs> but yeah, I did have to get new ones because last year in our Stanford game, the the left one, the sole came completely unglued <laughs> on the back. So it was just in the fifth set, just kind of like flopping around. around there, trying to play on that. So, yeah, luckily they're getting replaced. And you're still Probably. playing well. That says something about your game, man. You Thank finished you. the match with it flopping around? Yes. Yeah, so last year, last match, I got done. It was just completely separated on the back. Oh, my gosh. And then you glued it. I did re-glue it and like, I've been playing like, on them. What kind of glue? We use Gorilla glue, wood glue. What are we using? So for? I was using super glue for the most part, which I was surprised <laughs> it was holding, to be honest. And, and then I got like some actual like sole glue and put it on. It's been holding pretty well. I don't, I'm not in the shoe glue game. I didn't hey. know there was sole glue, but now I do. A well-deserved new pair of shoes. Yeah, good, good for you. He's <laughs> all these new ones. Give me the Jordan 13. Hey, with those new shoes on, you try and extend an 18-match home winning streak tonight. What does the Smithfield House do for BYU Volleyball? It honestly, like, it's the most amazing place ever. Like, we go to all these places. They have these huge stadiums, these basketball stadiums, places like USC, UCLA, Stanford. And it's crazy. Like, you go in there, it's just huge. But the thing about the field house is it's just, like, it's just so, like, nostalgic. It's Volleyball's always played in there, and it's just so awesome because we just, like, we pack it. It's crazy. There was games last year where you'd look, and there's people sitting all the way back up on those wooden seats up there. And it was just the coolest thing to see. Like, it was, it was just amazing. And I think that it kind of... It kind of also makes it harder for other teams to play against us because it just it feels so packed in there. When in reality, like you put that in one of you put that many people in one of those other schools kind of gyms, and it just it wouldn't feel the same. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, it's uh, it's it's what it's like uh, when you're in there, right? And there's TerraFlex, which is the Olympic style floor, right? There's the mile per hour gun, which is fun, which you put yeah. out an 80 mile an hour serve <laughs> last year, dude. We we were at the uh, football. 
alumni game and and scrimmage, and so we missed that one. But it was like, what an eighty mile an hour? <laughs> was that the fastest serve you've ever had? Oh yeah, yeah, by like four miles an hour. <laughs> like the fastest I've served outside that was like maybe seventy six. And it was in for an ace, because if you go eighty into the net, who cares? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was in. Um, what did you feel like in that moment, actually connecting at eighty miles an hour on a serve? I'm gonna be honest. I thought I tossed it too far, and I thought it was going way out. Like I'm <laughs> like I'm gonna be totally honest. I was just like, okay. I'm just going <laughs> to see what I can do with this and then seemed to work pretty well. So, yeah, it was it was crazy, though. It was like after I hit, I just could not believe it. I was like, there's no way that's right. But <laughs> anything above 70 is oh, cooking, dude. Anything in the 60s is cooking. Yeah. Like, so do you have yeah. like a mark that you're trying to hit? Is there a happy median there? Because we, we heard Sean say. I saw 81 or 82 in practice this year, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, so what what's what's like the happy medium there? Honestly, something I've been noticing is it doesn't. It honestly doesn't even need to be in the 70s to be getting aces. Like I think a lot of like the aces I've got this year have been like maybe in the 60s, if that. Like I know there was one the second night against Princeton. I just kind of roll shot it in. They just, I guess they thought it was going out and just kind of didn't go for it. So it's like something I've been realizing a little bit is it's almost better to just put the ball in, trust your team to block it than it is to be blasting every ball out of bounds, kind of. So, yep. yeah. Love that approach. Luke, great to have you in Studio B. Good luck tonight. Take some BYU Sports Nation karma. Thank you. Rock those beautiful new Air Jordan 13s tonight. <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting here next week. So. Yeah, Jerem's going to have a great oh, yeah. seat. Hey, 10 match home, uh, home streak. We'll have plenty of time. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Okay, 18 match home win streak online tonight. Number seven versus number eight. 9 Eastern time on a channel called BYU TV. Oh, yeah. Men's volleyball gets the BYU TV low. Do we have time for Dennis Pitta after the break? What? It's BYU Sports Nation. Huh? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. What's at stake tomorrow for BYU men's basketball or elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated? Grant Smith says whether BYU goes above 500 or above in conference and secure a spot in March Madness or go below 500, have to sweat it out the rest of the season. Probably will. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. I want to give it to my favorite Ravens tight end, a guy who is an all-timer, incredible player in person, member of the church. He's going to be honored at the Ravens game tomorrow. Todd Heap. Oh, not Dennis. Todd Heap <laughs> on Sunday. Thanks to today's guest. Sorry to all of you. Apparently, we had time for Dennis. There's Andy. Shout out to Andy Reid. Go Cougs. <laughs>